Last week, we finished our series on the Holy Spirit as the blazing center of the mission of our church. And as I was studying last week, I um, started looking at the, Joel, or the, the prophet Joel and his book. And because Peter, as he's speaking to this crowd, trying to explain what God is doing among them, he quotes Joel. And so I thought, so I thought uh, a great thing for us would be to look at Joel and to see what he has to say. And I kind of had this hunch as I was reading Joel, like, I think, God, you might be speaking to us, or you could use this to speak to us right now. And as the more I've studied it, the more I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us in our situation. One of the hard things, though, as I've been studying Joel, is that I realize that my first response to this pandemic, to this situation over the last two months, was wrong. And when I began, when all this went wrong and we couldn't, we stopped meeting as a church and businesses started closing down and people were sick and people were going to hospital, um, started asking, Lord, please, please help. But that response was wrong. Part of it was because I wanted things to go back to the way they were. Lord, please help us go back to when things were comfortable and familiar and I knew what to expect. Um, let me go back to when all my activities were going, all the stuff that I had signed up for and my kids were involved in. Let me go back to the time when I didn't have to rely on you for every day because I knew what to expect. Everything was just moving along. While it's understandable that I was asking God for his help, um, it wasn't the right response. It wasn't the best response. So I started asking as I'm reading Joel here, what is the right response? What would God prefer? <clears throat> Maybe this is the first time you've kind of had this idea of our question, our question about what is our response and what should it be. Now, to pray to the Lord, please help us, is totally normal. But what if I told you that as understandable as it is, it's wrong? What if God wants more for us than to ask him to help us get back to the way things were? Now, I realize that, um, that to return to a normal... Um, I'm thinking about it, that just to return back to the way it was would be a shame. After I read Joel, I want a better response. I want a more faithful response. I don't want to go back to the way things were. As a church, I want to move forward into the way God wants things to be. I want to move forward in what God wants for me personally, but I also want us as a church to move forward to what he wants for all of us. So if you have your Bibles, open them to the prophet Joel. That's if, if you open it in the middle and head left, uh, you'll find Joel. He's one of the minor prophets. Um, I'm also going to be having the text here on the screen. But before we begin, let me pray uh, that we would hear God's Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask for your presence among us. We are grateful that you are here. And we pray for your help in understanding your word, Lord God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you would read with me, it says here, the word of the Lord came to Joel, son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in our days, or in your days, or in the days of your forefathers? Tell it to your children, and let your children tell it to their children, and their children to the next generation. As I'm reading this, it kind of hit me. Not kind of, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It said, has anything like this ever happened in your life? Have you heard of anything like this? Have your parents even talked about stuff like this? I realize that as I'm reading Joel, that God is using this situation to grab our attention. He says this, he says, 
What the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. This is a Hebrew way of saying that every time that the, the locusts moved through and ate almost everything, whatever was left was eaten by the next group. And he's essentially saying, this is a Hebrew way of saying that everything was eaten. It's all gone. And to this, Joel says, wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all of you drinkers of wine. Wail because of your new wine, for it has been snatched for your lips. Now, I don't think Joel is picking on people with a drinking problem here. I don't think that's his point. Now, it's true that, that drinking and drunkenness like that leads to all sorts of problems, and God calls us not to do that because of the problems it causes. But I don't think that's what Joel is actually talking about here. He's actually referring to a nation, talking to a nation that indulges too much, that lives in this extravagant living, partying and drinking too much, living like God doesn't care or God's not, not there. Talking, I think, I think Joel is talking to a nation that is living like, with a spiritual drunkenness, with, like living in a spiritual stupor, spiritually stumbling around, not following God, not taking God seriously or the work that God intends us to do. I think this is what Joel means when he says, wake up, you drunkards. He's not just talking with like, the small group of people with the drinking issue. He's talking to a nation. And they needed to respond because a nation has invaded my land, powerful and without number. It has teeth of a lion, the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste, to my, laid waste my vines and has ruined my fig trees. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it away, leaving their branches white. Now there's this idea, this mention of a nation. And as you read Joel, as I was reading the different scholars, there's debate. You know, is Joel using the metaphor of locusts to talk about an invading army, like possibly the Assyrians or the Babylonians? Or is he using the, the, the metaphor of an army to talk about a plague of locusts? It works both ways and scholars are divided. As I read Joel, I think he's actually talking about a, a plague of locusts, actual bugs. And so he's saying this here, but the, the issue is the, whether it's an army referred to as bugs or locusts referred to as an army, the idea is the same, that the people of God are experiencing a catastrophe, a world-changing, life-altering catastrophe. And grieving remains a good response. Joel says this, he says, mourn like a virgin in sackcloth. Grieving for the husband of her youth. Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests are in mourning, those who minister before the Lord. Now it's interesting because even the priests are mourning this loss. Those who are supposed to trust God, who are supposed to encourage people to rejoice and praise God, even they are grieving. But the mourning doesn't stop there. Joel says, the fields are ruined. The ground is dried up. The grain is destroyed. The new wine is dried up. The oil fails. Despair, you farmers. Wail, you vine growers. Grieve for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine is dried up, and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm, and the apple tree, all the trees of the field are dried up. Surely the joy of mankind is withered away. Now, Joel is being pretty, I'm being sarcastic here, pretty subtle here, right? Does anybody catch the theme about stuff that's drying up? 
Look at this. The ground is dried up. The new wine is dried up. The vine is dried up. The trees of the field are dried up. Everything is dried up. Even the joy of humankind is withered. Not only have they experienced the plague of locusts that have come and eaten everything, now a drought follows. It's like complete economic ruin. All the food is gone and anything that was left has been burnt by the drought, has been dried up. Does that sound familiar at all? That just when you think it can get worse, it does? Think about how it was for us, how it began even months ago with the idea of a virus that, would, that was more deadly than others, that killed people, especially the elderly. And then as nations began to close their borders, to cancel flights, to shut down economies, it seemed like it just kept going from bad to worse. And now in the last weeks, the rioting, the protesting, all the stuff that's going on, it seems like it just keeps getting worse. I wonder if Israel felt like they had hit the bottom. What the locusts hadn't eaten, the drought had dried out. I wonder if they were asking, what else could go wrong? I wonder if they were asking, Lord, where do we go from here? Joel gives us some direction and gives us a good way forward. He says, put on sackcloth, O priests, and mourn. Wail, you who minister before the altar. Come, spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before God. For the grain offerings and drink offerings are withheld from the house of your God. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God. And cry out to the Lord. Alas, for that day, for the day of the Lord is near, and it will come like destruction from the Almighty. Now, leaders, this response begins with us, that we humble ourselves before the Lord. So here they put on sackcloth. This is a, a rough, a coarse fabric, um, oftentimes pretty scratchy, and you would wear this as a sign that you were mourning, to show people around you that you were grieving. This, this passage here especially has been convicting for me. You see, my first response was not, forgive me, Lord. When all of this began to happen, my response was not, Lord, show me what I have gotten wrong and help me to repent. My, res my response was, Lord, please help me. But really, what I was saying was, Lord, help things get back to normal, back to the way I liked it, back to what was comfortable. Get back to the times when I could rely on myself because things were predictable. I realize now that a far better response a more faithful response would have been for me to humble myself, to repent, to say, Lord God, what do you want to change in me through all this? What are you saying to me? So church, let us lead by example here. Let us humble ourselves and repent. This goes for us as a church. That we resist this arrogant temptation that sometimes Christians do. When things go wrong, they say, see, this is what you get, world. But we don't use this time to condemn others, but rather, as Christians, we lead by example. That we mourn, that we mourn how things, the things that we have lost, but also we humble ourselves and we repent. Lord, please forgive us for the times we let our preoccupation with events and things with our families and all the hobbies we had distract us from you. That we repent of these things. Joel keeps saying here, he says, or keeps speaking, he says, declare a holy fast. 
This Thursday, I'll talk some more about this. We, as a church, are having a holy fast. A time of humbling ourselves. Fasting is a way to say, Lord, I rely on you. Food is one of the ways that we supply for ourselves. And so we, take, we stop eating. We, we take a break from food. I'm not going to supply for myself, Lord. I'm going to rely on you. Not only that, he called a sacred assembly. Summon the elders together. This is something like today we would call this a prayer meeting. So this Thursday, we're going to gather uh, at our church for a prayer meeting as well. And we're going to be all gathering together to petition God. Not that God would return us back to our comfortable old ways, but actually that God would move us forward into a new faithfulness. Joel says all of this. He says, do all of this because the day of the Lord is near. Now, Joel said this probably about 2,800 years ago, almost 3,000 years ago. And the day of the Lord was near then. It's definitely more near now. Now, I think we need to talk about the day of the Lord because there is a final, ultimate day of the Lord. But there has also been days of the Lord. Catastrophic events throughout the people of God, through the history of God's people, where God has gathered his people back. He's grabbed their attention from all the things that distracted them. Joel and these locusts are one of them. And Joel is trying to help people see that this is not just something that we pray to get around, but we pray that God would change us through it. And one of the best ways, our best response when things like this happen, catastrophes, global pandemics, rioting, things like this, when these things happen, our best response is to repent and believe. Repent and be faithful to Jesus. Peter was talking with this, or talking about this with the crowd last week at Pentecost. For those of you who were here last Sunday, if you remember, the Holy Spirit had descended on God's people, and they began speaking in other languages. And the people around them, were, people were gathered in Jerusalem, and they're saying, what is happening here? What is God doing? And Peter stands up, and he actually quotes from the prophet Joel. And he said, this is a day of the Lord event. This is something huge. Don't just uh, breeze by this. Don't miss what's happening here. He says, repent and believe. Actually, Peter says, repent and be baptized because none of them or very few of them were actually followers of Jesus yet, of the crowd around him. So he says, repent and be baptized, repent and believe. Repentance is the best response because our world remains in shambles. In verse 16, Joel says, has not the food been cut off before our very eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of the Lord. The seeds are shriveled beneath the clods. The storehouses are in ruins. The granaries have been broken down. The grain has dried up. How the cattle moan. The herds mill about because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep are suffering. When he said, they hear this line that says that there's no joy in the house of the Lord, it struck me. Though we've had been able to meet last week and this week, for weeks there was no joy in this house of the Lord. This place remained empty for Sundays. Not only that, he talks about the seeds are shriveled. The storehouses are in ruin. The livestock are hungry. He's talking about the fallout from the events that happened from the catastrophe. We, too, are experiencing fallout now. Joel responds in the only way he knows how at this point. He says, To you, O Lord, I call, for fire has devoured the open pastures, and flames have burned up all the trees of the field. Even the wild animals pant for you. The streams of water have dried up, and the fire has devoured the open pastures. 
I can just hear Joel at the end of his rope calling to help or calling to God for help. Calling out for God to help him. I also hear the words of Joel speaking to us. I hear the words of Joel speaking to me. I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us as a church right now. To do a few things. One is to accept and to mourn. To accept the things that we have lost. To mourn them. But to resist the temptation to scramble to get them back. The old, comfortable ways that weren't necessarily faithful. To resist the temptation to get back what was already broken, despite how familiar it was. But not only that, Joel says this, he says, humble yourselves and repent. That we, as a church, would humble ourselves and ask God to forgive us. Asking the Lord, forgive me. If there are places where I have been too self-indulgent, where I have taken too much for myself and not shared enough with others. Or that we would ask God to forgive us when we've become too preoccupied with the things happening in our family or events that we're involved in, our hobbies, things that distracted us from God and His work. That we ask God to forgive us. Or that we would ask, Lord, forgive me where I've become too self-reliant where I just decide to do things on my own without asking you first what you even want to do, that we would ask God to forgive us. These are three things that I feel God challenging me, God convicting me of. I hear God speaking to them, speaking these things to us as a church as well. Once we do these things, then we can begin to rightly seek God's help, not in going back, but in going forward. Not to return to the old normal, the self-indulgence, the preoccupation, the self-reliance, but rather that we would move forward into a new faithfulness. That God would bring us forward, not into just a new faithfulness, but a new revival. A revival in our own heart. A revival in our church and a revival in our community. A new way of life filled with faithfulness to Jesus. Daily devotion to Him seeking to grow and become more like Him. Not only that, but the sort of devotion to Jesus that helps us or or gives us a desire to encourage each other so that we're helping each other grow in faith, to train to be more like Jesus. But it keeps going out from there. a, a A desire in our heart to not only disciple one another, but to share this good news about who Jesus is with our community with people around us right now who are struggling, trying to figure out what to make of all this. Why do things like this happen? What about meaning and life? That we would be sharing this good news with them. But it keeps going beyond that. Not only are we sharing good news with people in our community, but we're also advocating for justice in our society. For the people who live on the margins. To make sure that those who hardly have anything, to make sure that they have enough. That those of us who have more than we need, we are sharing it with them to make sure that there is racial righteousness in our communities, that we are doing these things to move forward to a new faithfulness. If we will do this, God will respond. If if we will do these things, I hear God saying that I will respond. But it's up to us. These next few days, let us accept and mourn what was lost, but not return to it. Let us, on this, let us humble ourselves and repent. This next Thursday, setting it up for our church as a day of fasting. For us to set food aside so that we can 
focus on God. And then Thursday night, gather together for a sacred assembly to pray. To pray not that God would make things go back to normal. We don't want that normal. It was broken. There was all sorts of things wrong with it. But that God would lead us to a new faithfulness. A new faithfulness. Maybe even a new revival. A new revival in our hearts. A new revival in our church. A new revival in our world. I hear Joel speaking to us. Challenging us. Calling us to faithfulness in God. Amen.